0: Hi, everyone. My name is Sambul Siddiqui.
1: And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are two new Cambridge City Councilors, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Hello.
0: Hey. How are you? Good. I've missed you.
1: I know. It's been a long couple of weeks. Yeah. We didn't didn't do it last week. Did we? No, Olivia was here last week.
0: No, that was the week before.
1: It's going by so fast, I Summer. Know, I know. Okay. Well, we're here now. We're here. The women are, are back. Yes. <laughs> um, we have a lot to talk to everybody about because there has been so many things going on, as usual, but I, I was kind of thinking that Summer would slow down, but uh, it's not, seeming, it's to not. Be, seemed, seeming to be the case. And I think first, before we talk about anything, the thing that's been so heavy on my mind um, has been the, the death of that 15-year-old. Cambridge Latin student who was attacked on her bike in East Cambridge and sustained life, you know, life-threatening injuries and, and then passed away, unfortunately, in the hospital. It, I just can't think about anything else. So tragic, so young, um, you know, as a mom of a teenager who rides his bike everywhere, it's just, it's really hitting home for me. And it's a senseless tragedy and there's somebody out there that's responsible and we haven't been able to figure that out. And I know that the Cambridge police department has put out um, a flyer, a flyer looking for information. I, I, I don't know if there's been any CCTV, if there's been any video or anything. It's just, it's excruciating knowing that a young life is gone and that um, somebody is, is out there.
0: Yeah. It's been very, very hard to concentrate and, you know, just it, it's unbelievable that it could happen around 6 p.m. you know on a broad day sunday yeah uh, on and, a very busy street right it's a really busy street it's right near you know Carnamarderos in uh uh Wellington Harrington area so you know you know, please keep the uh, her and your thoughts and you know her family her family And um, your thoughts
1: um i know we are it's been the other thing is i have i have so many people who um have been emailing and calling me so many moms who are. are they haven't released this young woman's name yeah. because the district attorney wants to wait for the the reports of the or the results of the autopsy before they release their entire um, report, which I think is really hard for for some people just not knowing. Um, I I, I want to be able to honor this young woman and even say her name right now, but I don't I don't know it. Yeah, so. it's really hard. Um, so tonight there is a vigil. Um, it starts at six o'clock. It uh, at Leachmer station so mm-hmm. just to to walk together and um
0: if the walks down Cambridge street to where to, the to um, where the incident was yeah
1: so if you're interested in that that's tonight it's Wednesday night um but i unfortunately can't be there um but i'll be there in spirit
0: yeah for sure um so you know there's been unfortunately what what happened um to this young girl um on sunday and then uh, we've also had emails and a lot of um you know talk about this other video that came up uh almost a week and a half ago yeah maybe two weeks ago um basically uh you know it's been on people's minds and you know the city is we've finally responded with something and for me personally it was so to give you some background um, In case Cambridge... you can't read our minds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cambridge resident uh, Allison, uh, I don't know how to say her last name.
1: La 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 Liberte? La
0: Liberte, Uh She was playing with her child Saturday afternoon when another resident at her apartment complex came outside to complain about the noise. Uh, this resident's name's Teresa uh, Lund, uh, and the resident asked Allison and her child to to move. Uh, it was around 3 p.m. Uh, and so the video is recording and they were having a back and forth about, you know, Allison's saying, you know, she shouldn't be at moving. It's 3 p.m. You know, this is she lives there. She too. lives there, too. Um, and then uh, the resident Teresa Lund, you know, asks, do you live in one of the affordable units or do you live in the Harvard units? And, you know, Alison says, why is that <laughs> relevant? Uh, and so it's really sparked a conversation that, you know, it has been happening for many years. I think uh, residents, myself, many of folks, you uh, who've grown up in affordable housing, um, you are often viewed as this other. Mm-hmm. Dis- and
1: Discriminated. Yeah, it,
0: so. yeah, less than. Less than. And so, you know, my I, we talked about this on the phone after it happened, but, you know, I, part of me was like, I'm so used to it, and that's sad. You know, I was like, uh, you know... I know. I
1: think I called her and I was, like, outraged. Like, what are we going to do about this? And who does this woman think yeah. she is? And, and, you know, I think you were much more calm than I was because you're like, this is kind of...
0: Like-. I was... Yeah, and, you know, I was kind of... And then I did some thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I, I hate that I'm so cynical and, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what a lot of people think. She just said it out loud and right. it was caught on camera. Um, but, you know, I did a lot more thinking about it, and I think, you know... I, I do believe that I, people, sometimes you have to think before you speak, right? But then also it's the substance of what you're saying. There's a reason for it, mm-hmm. you know? And so why is that reason? Can there some be some, you know, more conversations about explaining how that's wrong and how that hurts people um, and calling it out and saying that's not okay?
1: Well, you know, I think you and I hear this all the time. I mean, a lot. Uh, from residents who are living in our inclusionary units and in our affordable housing, you know we do this great thing where we ask developers to set aside you know it used to be eleven and a half percent, and then with your the done city bonus you got up, up to fourteen percent now it 's twenty percent across the board have to be affordable units, which is wonderful, but then you know we hear from a lot of residents that in some buildings there is real discrimination that happens um and they feel it and so but it 's always been sort of this anecdotal thing and right. to see it in this video coming across to me was like this really visceral that there it is there it is so now so what are we going to do about it um so and I know for me there was a few times in the video where I felt like oof like when she um was speaking directly to this woman's daughter yeah and um I was like this Allison was much more poised than I ever would have been if somebody had spoken to my child like that. I, she did an amazing job just filming it as if it was happening to someone else. Quite honestly, yeah. um, but I I have to say that um, you know, Teresa apologized um, after the encounter, um, saying her comp- you know her comments were inappropriate and wrong, and she apologized. She said she apologized in person to the family, and she said. Um, quote, this clearly wasn't my best moment and I have work to do more consistently to be my best self. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, as somebody who watched a good friend go through sort of internet justice, uh, my friend Liz, the librarian, was the one who famously <laughs> sent, yeah. sent the books back, the Dr. Seuss books back to Melania Trump. But watching what happened to her life, um because internet justice is righteous and it's unforgiving and it doesn't leave an opportunity for growth or learning of what we like to talk about as teachable moments, and I think adding fuel to the fire, it, Harvard was very slow to issue the so statement. So slow. So slow. I don't know. I don't know if you called them. I def- I was like, what are you, What are you doing? Um, are you going to make a statement? People are. I think if they had responded more quickly, people would have. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it was a very, I mean, I'm just trying to, yeah, it was it, it was too slow.
1: It was too slow, but they finally, according to the Harvard Crimson, you know, um, this woman was placed on leave, and the director of the humanitarian initiative where she worked, Michael Von Ruyen, said, each of us is committed to advancing our organization's values of belonging and inclusion. As such, HHI will implement in the coming weeks additional trainings and programs for our staff to, intre- to address implicit and explicit bias. And I think, you know, that's what you're saying, right? Like, we've got these biases sometimes they come out sometimes people just keep them aside it's on all of us to actually do this hard work it's on harvard to do this hard work and i think that's the statement i was waiting for i didn't necessarily think that this woman should get fired i didn't think she should have to shut down all of her social media accounts and her life shouldn't be turned completely upside down we should use this as a moment to say okay we are an institution that exists in a city we have a responsibility to that city and its citizens. We need to talk about bias, explicit and implicit. And as a as a university, Harvard has that responsibility. And I think they are they did take that responsibility. Um, but it was for me, it happened way too slowly. And I think for the rest of the community, I think it would have been different. Um, I so I you have some great news around what yeah. the city's response is going to be, and I was really happy to
0: hear it. Yeah, so if, working with the mayor, I think we're going to, you know, we're planning a series of conversations for the fall um, to talk about issues of race and class and the values we want as a community. I think, you know, if someone asked me, hey, what are the goal of these conversations? And I'd say even if we can change, you know, one mind frame of, like, how we think about these issues, that's important, you know, and, and the and explain how the impact of your words really do matter um I, you know i think it, it is it's a cultural shift you know it's, it takes having a lot of conversations i've had to have these conversations with my call co- my peers at brown you know when i first got there i, I felt so out of place and really uncomfortable mm-hmm. um and it took a long long time to feel comfortable in that world and but i had Folks who just had never, you know, they didn't know what affordable housing was. They didn't, they, they just, you know, would it's make these comments. It's a concept, you know, yeah, and so thing. I'd have to explain it and it'd be, it, it sometimes it, it does suck having me to be the one always explaining these things and being like, this is this, this is that, but I do view it as a good, it's a responsibility and um, there, you have to ha- be willing to teach people and I do think people make mistakes and you, you got to learn from them and In this instance, I think, you know, there's a concept in law that's um, restorative justice, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And it basically, the definition, it repairs the harm caused by crime. Um, When victims, offenders, and community members meet to decide how to do that, you know. And I have this, I remember from law school, we had someone whose mother had been killed uh, by a group of women who tried to rob her they were young at the time they were 15 or 16 and um the this man goes around uh, talking to law schools around the country about restorative justice and he you know forgave the one of the girls who was part of this and has helped her move on and because um, she's, you know, which is crazy when you think about it. Like, how do you do go, th- I, you know, this is different, obviously, but it makes me think like if that can happen, right. you know, like this is, you know, we, we have a lot, we can, we, we, this is possible, right? It doesn't seem that insurmountable to me that, you know, having Teresa come back and, and, and say, look, yep. hey, th- you know, this, obviously you are so remorseful. Um, but, you know, how can we take this experience and make you teach others? You yeah, know? I mean,
1: that's the difference between re- restorative justice and what I was talking about before, which is Internet justice, right. which is righteous and indignant. And there's no teachable moments there. There's right. no opportunity. You know, if I were Teresa Lund, I'm just putting myself in her shoes and I'd said this really unfortunate thing. Um, would I be more willing to actually take that experience and... And make life better for other. for right. might you know restore this bias that I have, and and really learn from it, and then work to address it in other people, or would I just shut down? Right. So I think really talking about restorative justice in this in this situation is something that's pertinent, and I love that you're going to be leading these conversations because part, I mean, part of me feels like we shouldn't always put the burden. Of having these conversations on people who have the lived experience, right? Like, if if I myself as a white woman want to be a real ally, I shouldn't be wanting to do that, right? Like, <laughs> I should be the one who's out there learning and like teaching other people. Um, but I'm
0: I'm so happy that you're
1: that you're doing. Yeah, that.
0: thank you. I mean, and I'm looking forward to to figuring out what this looks like over the next year. So, stay tuned. Um, yeah, stay tuned, and I I hope that we, you all in. You all come and
1: have these conversations. and
0: reach reach out to us about your thoughts on these topics. You know, we're we're all ears. It's difficult conversations, but it's really important to have. That's
1: the thing is I feel like over the last year or so, um, you know, having these conversations and really admitting your own biases. Right. I mean, I have them. We all have them. And I think the first step in actually restoring any of this and doing any of this work is really admitting that we have these biases and not like what do we do with that? Exactly. But just saying like I'm I'm not biased. <laughs> I I'm, know. I'm not racist. Right. It it's not doing anybody any favors. And right. we're not moving forward as a society and progressing. Yeah, and you're not working on yourself,
0: you know? And well you don't you're community. not working on
1: yourself because you don't think there's anything to work on. Right. And that's yeah. That's the thing. That's the rub that's right the there. Right. Yeah. So right. these were yeah. this was really deep. Ooh. Usually we
0: talk about movies and T V. Yeah. We'll <laughs> get back to that. We haven't had much time to do any of that, unfortunately. That's yeah, really but, true. Uh, so, before we get to some kind of more city council related things, uh, there are a few things that I that uh, happened last week. Um, I went to a rally 432BJ, 6 for 32BJSEIU, District 615. It's a union, um, and they have a collective bargaining agreement covering 1,900 security officers in Boston and Cambridge, um, including dozens of security officers who protect approximately 8.3 million square feet of life science space um, in Cambridge and that uh, community bargaining agreement expired on Saturday, June 13th without a new agreement being placed and um, you know, so negotiations Wait,
1: uh, June 13th or 30th? 30th, 30th,
0: sorry. Um, And the negotiations broke down um, and the officers are essentially working without a contract and what they're really fighting for is a better... Um, affordable individual employer paid health care mm-hmm. plan and i'm just so pissed that this is i'm a union member through my legal aid position so i'm in solidarity with this group you are as well mm-hmm. um and as a city you know we know how much our life sciences build uh, b- b- you know companies
1: make so much money so much
0: and so really um the goal is to make sure that uh the, the contractors who are providing the health care get this message um today's actually the uh, bargaining date So I'm really hoping for a good outcome You know as city council members We rewrite letters We you know can do resolutions and You so went to the rally I went to the rally I, I you know picketed and all, all that stuff um, But it is It's it's kind of shameful Our security These security officers actually make $16 an hour 16 oh. an hour And now you know How they, can
1: they even pay for health care They can't
0: They can't So the, they are They're either on mass health Or they're You know they go without health care they actually go without health care um and as so a union I, member yeah yeah like uh, so they don't i mean uh, the employer plans are too expensive
1: so can i this is terrible and i mm-hmm. they, it seems like they've got some bargaining agreements that are happening today yes so i hope that those are fruitful and i hope that our letters um, help have helped but just as a, just a, a, a total aside my my family had a health issue yeah. this week my dad is was in the hospital had a stroke and then he's now in Spalding mm-hmm. rehab and um he does not have the Medicare coverage to be in a rehab facility. You have Medicare A and that will cover a hospital stay, but he has he doesn't have Medicare Medicare, ugh, Medi- Medicare B mm. that um covers the physicians to just actually come in while you're at a rehab facility. So the physician's costs just for somebody to come visit you. I think oh. I think my dad's been there since um last week and I think that the physician has come in three times, like the doctor. Mm. Three thousand dollars a week that were like they were asking us to cover mm, out of pocket. Oh my god. Spaulding rehab is three thousand dollars a day. So to oh. to roll the dice can be I, I that could be devastating. That yeah. could be bankrupting. That could be if sixteen dollars an hour and to be, have to roll the dice and not having health insurance um that's that's devastating for middle class families and
0: yeah so we 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 need accessible affordable individual employer paid healthcare for for these folks so i really hope that today they um these uh, companies novartis and uh, a bunch of others in in cambridge will, will step up
1: all right everybody cross your fingers
0: cross your fingers uh we'll tweet um switching gears a little I just want to also briefly mention later after the rally, I went to a meeting of the Porter you are Square. You were so busy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And now
1: you can drive yourself everywhere? I can, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just feel so like I can go to this meeting. I can do, yeah, yeah. can do anything. I can,
0: you saw my foot last week and I got to say Alana was just like screamed. She was like so excited to see my left foot. <laughs> Both feet were out. <laughs> Both feet we were out. And like you
1: were wearing sandals, too. I was like, what is happening?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's good. So I did go to this Porter Square Neighborhood Association uh, meeting that was talking about vacant storefronts. And I'm happy. there's
1: a lot. There
0: is. There In is. North Cambridge. Yeah. There are a lot. So, yeah, Porter Square. Yep. I, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and so there is a n- new report that's available online, and I'll share it. Um, it's basically storefront vacancies, best practices. And so this is something that as a council, we, this term we had been pushing for of saying, look. We need something to be done. So they ended up doing this project. And um, I will be chairing a meeting in early fall because August um, is a bad month for everyone. So um, in August, a lot of people actually take vacation. And yeah, so, they do. Employees and so forth. So there's um, we need the staff to be there, obviously. So I'm hoping early early fall, sometime September, uh, to really go through these recommendations and what they could look like. But I'm excited about... Um, potential strategies.
1: Well, some of this came about because of a policy order
0: we all put in. All yeah. Put in yeah. Yeah, to say, look, w- what, you know, what are our options? What are, yeah, why? What are we doing? What are we doing? You know, what can we actually require these property owners to do? So there's a line, and so um we'll keep you posted. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. I see it right there. I know. You it's it with 98 you. pages. I was going to read from it, but um <laughs> I was like, are you going to read that? We're already things? 20 minutes in, so Sorry. I won't. Yeah, we will, we will
1: spare you. We'll put, yeah. it, put it online. <laughs> Um, We also had an ordinance committee meeting this week um, about an order that was put in to raise the residential parking permit fee from $25 to $35 in 2020 and $40 in 2022. So that was a really interesting meeting. Um, I don't know what we want to say about it. It ended up that we kind of didn't go anywhere with it. Except yeah. that we've asked that traffic and parking come back with some reports on some items that came out of the meeting, one of the things that I felt very strongly about and I feel like you were echoing or on, on a similar page was I didn't really understand um, how we were gonna implement a ten dollar and then possibly a fifteen dollar increase in this fee without having some sort of financial hardship uh, waiver for folks who are are low, low income and In order to do that i felt like traffic and parking needed to tell us how easy that was going to be you know if 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 people were just going to be able to go in and check off a box that says um you know i make less than this much money i i need the financial hardship waiver that would have been one thing but i feel like if we're asking our traffic and parking department to income verify with some kind of piece of paper or something i I just feel like we're asking our traffic and parking employees to do something onerous and then Whatever money we would have, additional dollars we would have gotten from increasing the permit fee would have been eaten up by additional staff time. I also felt like there was not a real financial need to do this.
0: Yeah, it's not like this, uh, to, to, to tell people, there's... This money can't be allocated to human services. It can't right. be allocated to affordable housing fund. None of that. It ha- it actually covers the cost of the program, right? <laughs> like the actual physical, you know, the the permits and the you know IT uh, and, and personnel and so forth. And I I agree with you. It's like people are like, oh, it's nothing. It's twenty five dollars. I think that's not the point. You know what I mean? What's the point? Like what, you what, asked, what are
1: what, prob- what are we trying to exactly? solve here? What's what are we trying problem? to solve here?
0: just to raise it just yeah I had struggled with that I was like I couldn't find a compelling reason beyond this oh you know oh, Somerville charges $40 right <laughs> yeah um, and then I, I I, did feel like
1: <sighs> sometimes we talk a little cavalierly about other people's money mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know and that you know there was a few people that were like well it's only $10 and to me I felt like well gosh th- I mean I have $10 in my purse but for a lot of people coming up with $35 versus $25 is actually a lot of money and um, it could be a devastating amount of money right like if you don't have $25 you definitely don't have $35 and then maybe you don't get your permit right? right and then you get five tickets because you didn't have the $35 now you have $100 worth of parking tickets that you are you definitely can't pay and then you got a boot on your car and then you can't use your car to go to work I think it's really hard sometimes for me when people are very cavalier about how much ten dollars is. I it's, it wasn't just this ordinance committee meeting. I think there was there's a lot of times where people just say like, well, it's just ten bucks. Um, but for for people who are budgeting down to the dime, ten dollars is an insurmountable amount of money. I, I remember listening to this the the governor of Rhode Island talking about um, how she made um, community colleges free mm-hmm. for, for people who qualify. And one of the things she said, and it really stuck with me because it's really true, she said, you know, $40 could be $4 million if you don't have $40. And if it's the reason that people are not going to school and furthering their education and their financial future, why wouldn't we take care of it? Um, so for me, that that governor's statement about that $40 might as well be $4 million has really stayed with me. And I it it is part of my practice when, I, when I'm in that room and making sure that
0: I, I keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I'm really glad you had raised that. And so we'll we'll keep you posted on what happens. Um, you know, it'd be one thing if we were, like you we said during, we talked about, you know, it'd be one thing if we were raising the cost for additional we- vehicles, you know what I mean? Yeah, I right? mean, that was
1: one of the things. I said, you know, if, if we're trying to solve the problem of getting less cars on the road, I'm, I'm great, let's do that. But I just don't think adding $10 to the permit fee is going gonna... to... such a
0: nominal cost for just like people will, some pe- people will pay it of you know course. what i mean so if it's free yeah you're exactly we're exactly right like it's not going to free up parking <laughs> spaces right i mean i don't know if you saw the boston globe article um
1: that Nestor ramos wrote yesterday about the lamborghini that was parked on oh, the, hand, yes. the handicap space so just to let everybody I and mean, we're just like blah blah blahing but um so this weekend there was a lamborghini parked in a handicap spot in front of the DPW building on Hampshire Street. So this concerned resident, well, I guess he like was a big Lamborghini like enthusiast and was like checking the car and then yeah. realized it didn't handi- have a handicap placard on it and was in a handicap spot. So he calls, the, or he was going to call the, the cops show up, write a ticket, put a ticket, which is $120 for parking in a handicap without a placard. Then they called the tow company because obviously you can't just park in a handicapped spot the tow truck shows up and is like I can't tow that vehicle because it's so low to the ground Um, and we also don't have the liability it's like a $200,000 car Um, and so he left it there he just like rode away Mm. so this guy this Cambridge guy (laughs) had the best quote it was like blah 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 blah, expletive expletive blah 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 like his (laughs) his whole quote in the globe was like blacked out Um, but really what his point was, what is $120 a parking ticket? What is it worth to somebody whose car is worth is more than somebody's college education? So I guess this resident, I, now I'm just telling the whole story, but this resident waited Mm -hmm. for the guy to come back. So the guy comes back Mm -hmm. and takes the ticket off of his windshield and just is like, throws it in the street, gets in his car and drives away like that. Yeah. So anyways, for me, it was like this really, it tied in well with this whole Absolutely. conversation about um, fines and fees and how when you're wealthy, right, you can get away with yeah. breaking the law because you can just pay your way out of everything. But when you're poor you and can't. you're living in poverty, it just adds up and adds up and adds up. So I am gonna. I did tweet out that Boston Globe article and, yeah. and thanked Nestor Rimos for for bringing that to light because it's such a great illustration of like...
0: What happened? What happens here every yeah, day? Yeah, every day. So yeah, that's that was one of the me- ordinance meetings we had, and then um, last night we we were together again. We were we're together forever. Uh, forever. He <laughs> texted me, save me a seat. I'm like, like I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, besties. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, put my purse there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so last night we um, attended a community meeting. Uh, to discuss a pretty hot topic in North Cambridge, the Sherman Street commuter rail crossing and the fact that the trains are now blaring their horns at 110 decibels 30 plus times a day. So the commuter rail station that crosses Sherman Street by Jose's Mexican restaurant was considered a quiet zone, which means that no horns um, can blare, became an unquiet zone uh, at 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon, June 29th, which I think almost every speaker last night... it was like everyone has ptsd they're like definitely on, on june 29th at 3 p.m um so train operators started blaring their horns um, through the crossing this now happens um from 6 15 in the morning to after midnight seven days a week so the story is this this crossing was considered a quiet zone until the federal railroad administration or fra promulgated i love using that word Did you use that word when you were a lawyer all the time? I I would just (laughs) use it all the time. Promulgated new safety regulations about what is required to continue um, to be a quiet zone. And this crossing didn't meet those new regs. So Cambridge applied for and received a one-year waiver, and then we never addressed the issue. And then MBTA didn't start sounding the horns until after Keolis, which is the operator for MBTA, was doing an internal audit and noticed that the paperwork hadn't been filed to reapply. For the quiet zone and for safety reasons they needed to start using the horns through the intersection because you can actually drive through the current gates and potentially get hit by a train like if you're yeah i've seen people do it like last night people were like who would do that i'm like oh, i've seen people do it like the, the train's not coming for a long time mm-hmm. you can get through um not that not that you guys shouldn't don't you don't <laughs> so um to meet the safety requirements put forth promulgated <laughs> by the fra in 20- 2005 we need a different system of gates called quad gates that are longer and you can't drive through them but the city can't just go out and order these gates and put them on which is what i think we're all like just do it already like whatever the gates are like i was ready to get some two by fours and attach them to like the current gates (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the gates are owned and operated by the mbta so the city has been actively working on this issue since um, the july 4th week when we were made aware by many sleepless residents and uh, the meeting last night was to lay out
0: the short-term and long-term plan there were a lot of people there there's a lot of people here and so um here's the plan so there's a short-term plan it's two to three months which i'm sure will can feel probably like three years given the circumstance and uh, this is called a supplemental safety measure and it doesn't require any review by the fra so we would put up 60 feet of bollards at the crossing so people um don't cross into the other lane to go around the crossing gates um which this would require jose's and cambridge montessori parking lots on sherman street to close and to exit onto bella's circle instead um this requires a notice of intent which the city filed on july 16th uh this can take a maximum of 60 days to hear back uh, but it could be sooner if we start getting comments um we talked about how this would be a huge lift on the residents of Bell Circle, that the traffic getting out of Bell Circle during school drop-off and pickup may necessitate the need for a police detail. Um, you know, and the city seemed open to spending whatever resources we need at this point to alleviate the horn issue. And it's really not about money at this point. It's really the red tape. Um, so there's a longer-term plan as well, six to eight months, where we apply for a shorter length Bollards as an alternate. Everybody
1: knows what those bollards are. They're like the things that are on like the bike lanes that yeah. um, you, can, you can drive over. You can. Like for mm-hmm. um, safety, like, you know, fire trucks and, and ambulances and stuff. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: So, yeah. So um, that'd be an, as an alternate safety measure with FRA approval. Um, and then the driveways onto Sherman Street would be restored. Um, the longest term plan is the, you know, one year uh plan where the MBTA is installing the the COD gate system and the bollards come out. So, you know, there's these three plans. There are short some short term things that we're also asking for. Uh you know, one that the train operators do a softer blast on the horn. Um regulations say the horn has to be four blasts. Two long, one short. And one long, uh, wow! This is my life. <laughs> I just had this like <laughs> this city council life. Um, but some of the trains uh, do less blasts and softer than like, others. Did you not
1: think that you'd just be talking about horn blasts? <laughs> no, it's it's too
0: long. Yeah, one short and one, one long. long. <laughs> yeah, uh, and two. We've asked the MBTA to slow down to I think is it? It's a fifteen. Oh, fifteen. Right? Um, yep. And, um, uh, miles, miles per, per hour. hour through that crossing and. Paying a flagger to stand there to ensure cars don't try to cross while a train coming, while a train um, is coming. So uh, you know, I feel really feel for these residents. I mean, they have kids. Like, I'm so noise sensitive that I don't know what I would do. I really, I mean, I know you were saying
1: that last night that you would have to just. I can't
0: even deal with heavy breathing and snoring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm that person. You're like the princess in the pea. I really am. I'm just like. Do not go uh, go to another room. Um, So, yeah, I really feel for these folks. But we have to say we are working. The city's working very hard to figure out um, what we can do as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. I I hope that we do get some resolution on that 15 miles per hour. There was a there was an example in Bedford where this also happened to them. um, And then they were able to ask the MBTA to have their trains slow down um, to 15 miles per hour. They already had a flagger. Which I guess there was like a hut there and the flagger works there. And, you know, this flagger thing seems like it could be a real hiccup in that. that, Because we can't just.
0: We can't hire. Yeah. Well, even
1: like the vice mayor was saying last night, like, we can't just volunteer to do that. We could all take shifts. I think all of those residents in that room would have gladly taken a shift at some point. during Absolutely. Um, But we can't do that. That's all would have to be hired through the MBTA. And there could be. The city manager said last night, you know, if they were amenable to it, but didn't want to pay for a flagger, we could do some sort of memorandum of understanding and try to figure yeah. out if there was a way that the city of Cambridge could pay for the flag. Right? I mean,
0: that'd be ideal if we can get the MBTA, the MBTA to slow it down because then, you know, the horns go away. The so horns that's go the, away yeah. immediately.
1: And then we can start working on these the, other this things. Three. And those phases, they're all happening concurrently. So it's not like we would start. Yeah. It's like two to three months. We would have the bollards um, and then we'd. We'd also be working on phase two and phase three. So like the gates would be ordered, all that stuff. So anyways, Sherman Street residents. So sorry. We are so sorry. We are all working really hard on this. I think the amount of elected officials that were there last night, knowing that we were working Mm -hmm. on it. uh, And can I just sidebar how funny it was that you and I, there was the staffer Farah from senator warren's office and we would like just ran up to her and we like
0: uh, we have a podcast and we want the senator women are here it's on itunes <laughs> oh, thanks God. for coming thanks for coming yeah um so She's never writing us back <laughs> anyway i hope maybe she, comes. she will yeah
1: that'd be fun um so okay now on to the city council meeting stuff we have a summer meeting on monday and let's talk about some of the things you and i have on the agenda well
0: yeah you have something tomorrow and then i i have an update so you, you go first. You're just, I'm really excited about what you have for tomorrow. Uh,
1: um, okay, yeah, so it's going in officially tomorrow, but it will be on the agenda for Monday night. And it essentially will address some needs of, for victims of domestic violence. So the policy order has asked for the city to look into developing a small fund uh, for victims of domestic violence to be able to cover for funds Needs based on, you know, leaving your spouse or partner. This came about because I had a resident contact me that after years of abuse, she finally called the police and had her husband arrested. But she was having a really hard time paying for the small things that arose from finally getting free from an abusive situation. I I just, I mean, we're so lucky to live in Cambridge and have the resources that we have here. Uh, Liz Speakman, who works for the city of Cambridge, she's the head of the Domestic and Gender-Based Violence Initiative, is wonderful. And we have Transition House as our domestic violence shelter, and the Cambridge police have specific officers that work with DV victims who have been trained and specialized in dealing with that type of trauma. But what they've all said to me is, um, when I spoke to them, was, you know, society tells victims, well, you should just leave, Um, but we don't make it that easy. So if you think about victims of domestic violence it typically comes with an abusive financial situations where victims cannot just access their own family funds because if you think about it it's an easy way for the abuser to ensure that they they stay where they are um i i don't know if you've ever seen the movie about ike and tina turner no uh do you even know who tina turner is i do i okay. do <laughs> Well, so Tina Turner, there's a movie about them and I, there's a scene where she, you know, she's been abused by her husband and she shows up in the hotel and she literally just, I don't even think she's wearing shoes. She has like a purse and she has no money in it. And she says, I've just left my husband. And I think that that, that's a pretty real situation. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's things like medical expenses, there's lock changing fees, restraining order fees, you know, moms may need to be purchasing extra clothes for their kids. So they can go to school or buy a stroller to take public transportation from a new community that they may have been placed in, you know, in a shelter, toiletry items, you you, you name it, there's a million things that if you leave your house in the middle of the night, and you have no money. What, what are you and you have no access to any of your funds. So I think it's important that we work with our nonprofit agencies to find out what the needs are and if we can help out with a small fund to really ensure that we've get, we're we getting our residents out of abusive situations and make sure that they have just these small funds
0: that they can do things with. Absolutely. It would go a long way, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. And especially, I mean, the court is in Medford too. You oh. know, that's a whole other thing. Like this is, you know, we're putting... How do people get right, to Medford? You know, putting, do we ugh. have tea passes for these folks? Right. Can It's just... So I think this is, I think that should be included part of it, like the the start of it, you know, even showing up to your first hearing, you know, how are you going to get there if you don't have a ride? Anyway, this is a great idea. I'm really happy to um, support this. um, And I look forward to, you know, on Monday. Having Mm -hmm. a robust conversation. Exactly.
1: And I think just shedding a light on some of the things that um, our domestic violence victims face. I I, I know I'm the same way. You know, you're like, why don't you just
0: go? Right,
1: but at the same time, if um, if you have to, you know, pay twenty five dollars for a restraining order every couple of weeks, and you just don't have twenty five dollars, or you don't have access to all of the yeah. funds that your family has. So, anyways, that's on the agenda for Monday night. If you're interested in coming to talk about it, we actually um, will be at a different location. We are going to be at the Henrietta Adels room, which is the school committee room, um, because the Sullivan Chamber is too hot in the summer so the city council i think that's where it's happening oh
0: i didn't even know that i'm pretty sure oh good it is really hot there uh we i do have an update that um we'll be hearing about soon so uh, you know one of my policy orders was to increase the legal aid contract we have with cambridge and some of the legal services uh and i'm happy to report we're going to do that by 50 percent uh and what does that equate to so it's Basically, another attorney,
1: another whole attorney. I think so to deal yeah. with legal aid for housing issues. Yeah,
0: amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm ha- really happy about that, and, um, you know, I'll keep you posted on, <clears throat> on, on that. But I think you know we have to do more to just think about the direct services that um, are helping us fight displacement in, in Cambridge.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talk about that the percentage of cases that are won right in housing court wh- by folks that are represented by legal aid. Go from ten percent to fifty
0: percent, and we often. I mean, when I'm connecting folks to sources, it's I, I, and knowing my own organization in Lawrence, you know, uh, there's a lot of need. <laughs> there's a lot of need, and so just one more attorney makes a difference. Think about
1: all those cases. I know Think, that person can take on right. Oh, that's exciting! Thank you for yeah. yeah. Thank you for that re- happy report. I feel like we've had some like downer yeah downer news today, so that's a good one.
0: So good job, thank you. Um, <laughs> we have some events we wanted to just put on your radar for this weekend. There's a port fair on Saturday at Senate Park from twelve to four. Um, that's a really f- there's a lot of family things. There's rides, there's food. You should check it out. And then there's a jazz fest at Denhe Park, rain or shine, on Sunday uh, from twelve to six. So definitely go uh, to both to one. Is it supposed to be
1: nice this weekend? i think so i feel is it it's wednesday right oh and then
0: friday we you and i are going oh, to yeah. the we, dark room we have a date we do have a date we're going to um like we talked about we're going to opening night yep and you should come with us everyone
1: should come with us it's um at the multicultural art center the
0: it's, it's dark room The dark room it's at 7 30 it's uh Com for tickets yeah. Buy some tickets Buy some <laughs> So yeah that's our podcast for the week I hope you enjoyed it It was a little bit longer um, Than than it usually is But we wanted to really catch, catch everyone up, up. Um, And so you know If there's anything you'd like to discuss with us Whether it's politics, TVs, movings Our feelings, anything at all You know you tweet at us I'm at Sumble Sid S-U-M-B-U-L-S-I-D-D
1: And I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N And if you love this podcast, or even if you just like it, uh, spread the word so that we can keep more people up to date on all the Cambridge happenings. Tweet about it, post it on Facebook, email it to your friends, send them letters, however you like to interact with your friends and neighbors, but spread the word. We'd love love your help in that. So thank you for listening. Hope you have a great couple of weeks, and we will talk to you soon. Yes. Goodbye.